This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to Mother. No, it's Mother. Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time we rewrite the Mother Code. Well, hello, and here we are on Mother, my podcast, Dr. Gertrude Lyons, Rewriting the Mother Code. And I have just the immense honor, pleasure, privilege to have Julie Ryan returning as a guest. Julie, welcome to Mother. Thank you for having me. It's always a delight to be with you. Well, I'm so excited to have you back. And we have so many topics we can talk about in so many places we've been. But just as a brief intro, but I do suggest, and you'll hear all about, you know, Julie's show and podcast and everything and all the ways that she works with and supports people. But I wanted to celebrate because you had something new happen that I wanted to say first thing before we just wait till the end for all that. But didn't something really big happen with your show? Yes. My show went into national syndication in the U.S. on talk mm-hmm. radio. So we were starting out on seven stations and seven markets, and it's going to reach about 55 million people. So New York City, L.A., Chicago, Dallas, Boston, Atlanta, Seattle. I think that's seven. I think I counted seven. So I told my agent, I said, we need to go big or go home. So we just, most, most people start off in little stations and then grow. I said, let's start off at the big stations and then grow from there. So yeah, it's it's really fun. Thank you. Well, and I, I hear that as a, just, you know, such a huge vote. Yes. You know, to the work that you're doing, which, you know, I guess, your title is psychic and medical intuitive, but I know it's so much more than that. And uh, we'll get to share some of that with the listeners. And that's what we want to talk about. It's just what is that and that we're putting this in the mainstream and there's a yearning and hunger for it from everyone. Otherwise, you know, it wouldn't be sought after in the way that it is. So I'd love for you to share just a little bit like, you know, how we don't have to go full in because people can go to my previous podcast where I had you on for your full story because it's amazing but like maybe just at least a little briefing of someone's just meeting you for the first time and how you work with people, what you do and what you bring, the magic that you bring to the world. I'm a businesswoman and an inventor who learned how to do woo-woo and I'm a buffet of psychicness. That in a nutshell is really the, the gist of everything that I do. I connect with spirit. I learned how to do all of this stuff. Everybody comes in with the ability And it's just a matter of developing and enhancing it. And I teach people all over the world how to do that as well. And now I, in my buffet of psychicness, I scan people medically. I can see medical situations happening in my mind's eye. I facilitate energetic healings, can do that with humans, with pets, do it with pets all the time, can communicate with spirits either attached to a body or not, deceased loved ones. Or just right before I got on this with you, I was talking with a client who has two sisters 
that are in the phases of dying. And I can tell how close to death they are based on a configuration of angels and deceased loved ones, spirits and the spirits of deceased pets that are around the person. And I can communicate with them telepathically. They're still alive. So once we connect with spirit, we can communicate with that spirit, whether it's attached to a body or not, that's irrelevant. Let's see what else. Uh, talk to angels, talk to spirit guides, do past life stuff. As I mentioned, tell how close to death somebody is. So it's mm-hmm. once we connect with spirit, we can take it anywhere we want to take it. That's beautiful. And and that you said something that I want to underline for people is this is something you learned, right? That we all come into the world with this ability. And, you know, it's just like any of our gifts or talents or, you know, things that we decide we want to. We have the ability to play a sport, but, you know, we have to learn it and practice it and decide how good we want to get at it. And that's what you're saying about this, which I think is really important aspect for people to understand. Well, and we all use our intuitive abilities all day long, and we just aren't cognizant of it. We've all experienced times where we think of somebody and then they call us or they email us or they text us or we run into them. And we say, oh my gosh, I was just thinking of you. And here you are. What a coincidence. Well, there's no coincidence there. That's mm-hmm. your intuitive ability picking up their vibration because they're thinking of you as well. And we've all had situations where we think, gosh, I'm going to do it this way. We follow our gut to do it a certain way. And then we go against that because we rationalize that well, that's probably not the best way to do it and whatever. And then we end up regretting it. So we all have intuitive abilities. A lot of us, when we lose a loved one or a pet, we'll imagine seeing them out of the corner of our eye. Or if it's a pet, we'll imagine hearing them or feeling them snuggled up next to us, perhaps on a couch. And we think, oh, that's just my imagination. No, that's your intuitive abilities. You're just discounting them because you don't know to trust them. Exactly. And that's something I want to, you know, us to explore in this particular episode, right? So I would say, while I do believe it's growing and given the evidence of you becoming syndicated, in general, still our society and culture mostly downplays, you know, this aspect. And we're going to use the term woo-woo because I'm kind of on a a rant about how downplayed the and dismissed uh and how we apologize for using the word woo-woo. And I've caught myself doing it recently. And I was like, no, 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 no. Because that's downplaying, you know, my all my intuitive gifts, my feminine, you know, all those aspects. So, you know, in this culture, how did you have the courage to pursue them anyway? You know, what what was that part of your journey like for you? To pursue being a medical intuitive and psychic? Yeah, develop, developing your intuitive gifts, right. Because you were, you know, a pretty steadfast businesswoman, you know, so to speak, that maybe you were using it unconsciously, but it wasn't, you know, in the forefront as much for you. And you were very successful at that, but you shifted. And I would love to hear, you know, I'm going to use the word courage because I think it, and maybe that wasn't even what was part of it for you. But if so, if you could speak a little bit about that. Oh, absolutely took courage. I call it golden ovary courage. (laughs) I say guys have breast balls and girls have golden ovaries. And absolutely, it took courage to put myself out there. I just was led, Gertrude. I one step at a time, really over decades. And people said to me early on when I started studying this, and I paid the equivalent of what I would have paid to get a PhD or an MD 
to learn how to do this over the years. And people said, why are you doing this? And I said, I don't know. I I don't know. It's just interesting. Uh, And they'd say, well, what are you going to do with it? And I'd say, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever do anything with it. And then step by step by step, I was led to what I'm doing now. And really one of the big catalysts was when my mother was dying Mm -hmm. and I watched angels and deceased loved ones, spirits, and the spirits of deceased pets show up. And I thought, Mm. okay, what's going to happen here? Because that was the first time I'd ever gone through that with anybody close to me. And I, what I saw was really a glorious component to what happens when somebody's dying. Mm. And I find that there's lots of information out there, Gertrude, about the afterlife and near-death experiences, but not so much about what happens when somebody's dying. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we're afraid of. Are we yeah. going to fly or are we going to fry? That's the bottom line, especially in our Western culture where we've all been taught that, whether we're religious or not. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly Still. in our Western culture, there's a concept of heaven and hell. I'm here yeah. to tell you, everybody goes to heaven. All dogs go to heaven. All people mm-hmm. go to heaven too. Do you remember the movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven? No. That was out, I think in the oh 80s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to see Cute. that. So that really was the catalyst for me to take it a step further because a couple of years after my mom died, I had done this with several other people who had a loved one who was dying. And I realized there were what I call now the 12 phases of transition. Mm -hmm. And it's a configuration of how the angels and deceased loved ones are positioned around the person who's dying, regardless of if they're going to, if they die very quickly, like in the case of a homicide or suicide or whether they, die over a prolonged period of time, days, weeks, months, even years. And I was with my mentor one day and she was doing a healing on me and energetic healing on me and this, and my deceased family and friends, and even my dog, their spirits are in the room helping with the healing when wow. she's working with me. And one day this spirit of a dead Pope showed up and I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Pope Clement. And I said, oh, I never heard of a Pope Clement. And he kind of laughed. And he said, well, I was number six. And he had the hat on and the whole nine yards <laughs> sure. that popes wear. It's called a miter. It's like a pointy hat. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, may I help you? Kind of like, why are you here? And he said, you're supposed to teach the world what happens when somebody dies. And I said, I, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. People don't think I'm nuts. Yeah. And he said, yeah, 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 just get on with it. And it took me a, a couple more years, probably three more years till I had the courage to release this information in a book. And that really is what spurred everything that I do now mm-hmm. and, and do this really full time. I have another couple of companies that are still operating that take a minimal amount of my time and effort, but this is really what this I really... devote my time and energy to. And it's a blast. I know. I know. It, it, and it, it just feels so you and so right. But what do you, you know, what's your take on why our culture is so opposed to woo-woo practices and, you know, these inclinations and the work that you do, even the work that I do when it comes to and using our intuitive gifts and skills or just what you were saying, like seeing dead people, uh, you know, helping people with their transition. Why are we, what are we afraid of? That it's real. Yeah. And we don't understand it. And a lot of people think that we can't, if we can't prove it and we can't feel it or touch it, that it's not real. 
and that's a new phenomenon. I believe most people, if not pretty much everybody's interested in this stuff, whether they're outwardly willing to admit it or not, because this has been through every culture, every religion, every part of the world since the beginning of time. And it's just, I believe in the past, maybe 150 years, as we've become more well-educated, especially in our Western societies, that we have become Mm proof-based and we want to see, okay, this isn't real unless it's proven to be real with research. Well, guess what? Research is catching up with woo-woo now. (laughs) There is university-based research that corroborates everything I see in the 12 phases of transition. And it shows that 90% of people at the end of their lives are seeing the spirits of the deceased, their deceased loved ones and friends and their pets as they're approaching death. And they see them either in visions or dreams very rigorous. You know what's involved in university-based research, for heaven's sakes. There have been very rigorous studies where they've got to get by an institutional review board. And I've done those studies for my surgical device inventions. I know what's involved with that. And it's it's not an easy task. So the science is catching up with the woo-woo. The woo-woo has been there for since the beginning of time. Yeah, forever. and and every culture really talks about this. Every holy book, it, regardless if it's the Bible or the Quran or the whatever, it it's all they're all saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree. And you know, when when I was speaking about it in a recent podcast episode, because I just really started getting upset, right? That I heard, I don't know, I saw an article and. Uh, Recently, like things were in front of me, like, oh, you know, apologizing, calling something woo-woo or I don't know, you know, really like downplaying it. And I'm like, that's got to stop, you know, that that kind of thinking just is continuing with a, you know, left brain masculine thought that, as you were saying, I mean, I love that research is catching up, you know, with woo-woo and that we can prove it and I don't care, right? Like it's, it's kind of both. I want us to embrace and understand that everything doesn't have to be proven, but for the time being until we, you know, appreciate both of them. Cause I think all of that is in service of our woo aspect. I, I we keep using that word here, but you know, the, I recently worked with Jill Bolte Taylor and it's our character four in our brain. Like it's, it's a part of our brain, you know, that understands and has us access the space where we're all connected, where we're one with the universe. Uh, I was just in Hawaii, I was explaining to you on a pilgrimage, and we were learning ancient Hawaiian principles, the the Huna. And again, in there, right? Like all your power comes from within. The present is in the now, you know, the power is in our now existence and now is infinite, right? And all these things that I think for thousands, for, you know, several thousand years or maybe six or more, you know, in our Western culture have been minimized, degraded, you know, put down um, because it doesn't fit in that like mold and where we feel like safe. And I think we're, we're starting to bust out of that. And that's why I'm so happy about the work you do and that it's getting out in the mainstream because I, I think it's our only hope as humanity is if we start seeing, you know, the importance of us embracing 
what isn't known, you know, the unknown, the unexplainable, when we don't have words for something, you know, and, and not trying to slot it into, as you were saying, like coincidence or must've been my imagination. And I've, I've been correcting myself and others uh, when they say like, oh, isn't that crazy? You know, like I'm, and I'm starting to keep my own miracle list. I'm starting to keep my own list of things that I would have not necessarily dismissed because I've been working hard at, you know, highlighting them, but like really like starting to track them. And I feel like the more I'm tracking them, the more I'm acknowledging them, the more there are, like the more they're presenting themselves. And I don't know if that's something that you've noticed or been aware of, but you know, the more I acknowledge and see them, it's, it's like, I'm awakening myself to them in a way. And that might be part of like how you teach it or like how you learn it is that aspect. Well, our thoughts create our reality. So if I I use the word woo-woo because I think it's fun, Mm -hmm. I think that love and, and pure joy is the essence of spirit. All spirits are pure love and joy is love and joy is fun. And so woo-woo is fun. And it's, it's a universal term. I don't get pushback on using that term at all from anybody. And when I use the word woo-woo, that people will laugh and it piques their interest. I think it's a positive thing. I don't get any negatives. And I very rarely have anybody say to me, I have throughout the 30 years I've been doing this, really in the last five years with some regularity. But in the 30 years that I've been developing my skills, I would say a handful of times I've had people say, well, I don't know that I really believe this. You're going to have to prove it to me. And mm-hmm. I'll say, well, I think it's healthy to be to be skeptical. I'm skeptical as well. I agree with you. It's appropriate for you to be sure. skeptical. And they'll say, well, you have to prove it to me. And I'll say, well, no, really, I don't. If you want to discuss it, that's fine. If you want to talk about college football or the weather or whatever, the stock market, I'm happy to discuss that with you. It's whatever makes you happy is fine with me. I'm happy to to talk to you about whatever you choose. Hmm. And then they'll say, well, no, no, let's, I, I, I want to know more. And then we'll start the conversation. And sometimes a couple of times I've had somebody say, well, you know, that's the devil and that's a sin and blah, 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 blah. And I'll say, okay. And it's usually somebody who's a fundamentalist Mm -hmm. in their religion. And I'll say, okay, here's an analogy. Do you pray? And they'll say, of course I pray. I pray every day, multiple times. I'll say, great. With whom are you talking when you're praying? Well, Jesus or God or the Virgin Mary or whomever. And I'll say, all right, do you get answers? Yeah, all the time. You know, God communicates to me or Jesus communicates to me. And I'll say, okay, great. So when you're talking with Jesus, is Jesus in his body sitting next to you on the couch when you're having a conversation with him? And they'll say, well, no, of course not. And I'll say, oh, you're talking to his spirit. And they'll say, well, no, 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 it's not. That's different. I'll say, how's it different? You're communicating with a spirit. You're getting answers from a spirit. That's what I do. We all have the ability. And then you can see the light bulbs going off in their head. It's kind of like, oh, I never thought of it that way. And I'll say, we were just taught that this is evil. We were taught we have to come through a pastor or a priest or a rabbi in order to be close to God. Because why? Because fear controls the masses Mm -hmm. and people in charge 
can control people. We saw that with the pandemic. What's the best way to control people with fear? Fear. So all the great religions, all the great civilizations, all the great governments of the world all use and have used fear to control the masses. This is just the same thing. They don't necessarily want people to be able to connect to spirit themselves. It's almost like they've lost their purpose. Their purpose is to create an environment for people to connect to God or Jesus or whomever, you know, with the stained glass windows and the incense and the, the music and the atmosphere and the sense of community that lets people have the wherewithal to put them in a position where it's almost a meditative state and they can communicate with spirit, but then that's been kind of hijacked over the centuries, right. I think, as as governments and religions have have had a thirst for power and control. Yeah. I think you nailed it. You know, Julian, I love how you explain it because I think it is, you know, any sense that um we have of this not being viable or however we want to put it is out of fear. Right. And that's something I'm looking at as I'm starting to write my book, right? So I'm putting that out in the atmosphere is because I I see, you know, birth, motherhood as a mystical experience. You know, there's a potential in it that has been put aside, dampened, and because it's, again, here, so powerful, right? So when something's deemed powerful by others, you know, and they don't understand it, let's dismiss it. But just what you were saying about, so what what we'll use is fear, right? So now we have an environment where, you know, birth and pregnancy and all that is just run by fear, right? And it's, I think, a a travesty and crime and something I want to, you know, really illuminate and have us understand there's lots of choices, you know, in that, but this potential for connection with ourselves, with this energy source, unborn being that we're bringing into the world and you know, that whole process, I, I I want that for women, you know, and I want them to know that it's possible. And I think that's what you're doing also is just reminding us that this kind of connection is possible. And, you know, that's one place that I want to kind of reawaken it. It's what happened for me and I want it for others. And I think that's what you were saying. It happened for you and you want it for others and it's possible. And I think that's just so beautiful. So I Again, I'm like just a huge fan about it. But as you're talking, fear, and you said something earlier, like, you know, we we're afraid of what we don't know or what we don't understand. And then we want to put it into these boxes. And I find myself doing it at times, right? Like I I was reminded, I don't think I talked about this on the last show. My dad, who was a non-religious, but to the point of I, I think he called himself atheist, agnostic, anything, you know, like. There's, there's no, you just, you die and that's it. So anything else is fool, you know, foolishness. And I don't know, I started to discover before he died that he was a hidden mystic, but he just wasn't willing to like, let himself embrace it. And uh, we'd have these little arguments about, I'd say what I believed and, you know, that I, I do believe our souls continue and that, you know, reincarnation, any and all of that. And he's like, nope. You know, you just die. So, well, neither of us can actually prove it. So, you know, but it's an interesting conversation. But I 
was reminded when you said that about a deceased loved one, because I wasn't with him when he died, but the night that he died, he came to me in a dream and said, you were, I go by Gertrude, but I used to go by Trudy. Um, you were right, Trude. Uh, there really is a heaven. And, you know, to hear that from him, you know, in that dream, and it was, it's still so vivid and real. I get goosebumps as I, as I say it. Right. And, uh, I don't know if I, if I was looking for proof, that's about as good as I can get <laughs> is having him. Well, I got that. goosebumps when you said it too. And yeah. those are called truth bumps. Those are validation from spirit. When we get those, when something's said, we hear something, we read something that's yeah. just validation. And I think too, there's a thing called evidential medium. There's an evidential mm -hmm. medium, which when I'm talking with somebody who's deceased, their spirit with a client or somebody who's called into my show, they'll give us information that there's no way we could know. I was talking with a client a couple of days ago, I guess it was last week, and we were talking with her deceased dad. And he said, tell her I love the Fruit Loops. And I said, he's talking about Fruit Loops. Did he love that cereal when he was alive? What's the deal with Fruit Loops? And she said, no, he called woo-woo people like you Fruit Loops because he didn't believe <laughs> them. And so now he's saying, I love the Fruit Loops, meaning oh my gosh, he's I in heaven. That. He got the spirituality and the. It, there's no way I would have known that no. that's what he called psychics and mediums was fruit loops and he's it but that but it meant something to her mm. and that's the thing is spirit most of the time is going to give us information that's going to mean something to their loved one with whom we're communicating in a way that it may not make sense to us but sure. it may to them Another quick story, I was talking with a client, this was a couple of years ago, and both of her parents were deceased and she had their ashes. And she said, I have no clue what to do with them. Let's please, let's see what they want me to do mm. with them. And she lived in Boston and she said, or her parents said they wanted her to spread them in Yosemite. And I said, Yosemite's national, you know, national park. And I said, they want you to spread them in Yosemite. And I said, that's going to be a hike for you. She, she burst into tears. And I thought, oh, brother, did I say something that upset her? And she said, no, no, that's where they were married because oh they loved God. it so much. Oh, my God. Again, that's a good medium is somebody who doesn't judge the information that comes in, but just conveys it. I always say, I'm just the roving reporter. I just give you the facts of what I'm getting. I don't edit anything because who am I to edit it? That's information yeah. that I believe if I'm getting it, I'm supposed to convey it and I'm not supposed to edit it. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, Hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo meaning land of the goddess women and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. 
And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. No, and that's keeping yourself clear and and trusting. I call it unconflicted consciousness, right? When we just there you go, you know, allow that space, allow that, you know, it wisdom, energy, whatever it is to flow through us. And not well, and own. when we remember, and when we remember that spirit's pure love, they're never going to say anything that's going to be hurtful or any kind of destructive comments. So mm-hmm. I just tell them what I get. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind demonstrating on me again on the show, because I, I always, I, I love that. I don't know if demonstrating is the right word, but I keep having this this thought, so I'm going to follow it because I just got back, as I said, from this sacred travel trip pilgrimage in Hawaii and, you know, reminded in the Hawaiian culture, you know, that how, I mean, they know their ancestry from over 2000 years, like they can recite it and it's, you know, the the elders are held in beautiful esteem and, you know, they don't think of it as like your past, they think of them as part of you and you know, there to help you move forward. And, you know, we're following them and all that. So I was really had strong presences with my grandparents who, and I literally brought, I didn't know why I was years and years ago, I took a couple of my grandmother's dresses and had them altered so I could literally wear them. And, you know, I took her name in my mid thirties, Gertrude, because I was called Trudy up until then. And, you know, she's always been like this, like really powerful figure. And the one dress I had never worn, I had it like kind of fitted for me. I'm like, you're supposed to bring that dress on the trip. And, you know, again, like that just didn't make any sense at all. Like, why would I bring that? And 
felt like that urge again on the day I was supposed to wear it. And the, the messages that came through from me, from her, from them, from both of them, I, cause my grandmother died when I was nine, but my grandfather lived another 17 years. He lived to like 98 or something, you know, something like that, but just these beautiful presences and love was so much of what kept coming up. Um, you know, the message when I'd ask them, like, what messages do I need to know? Like prayer and love, you know, because my grandfather was very dedicated Catholic, but he'd said rosaries all the time, like just nonstop is a little dramatic, but he always had, you know, walked with one, had one in his hand. And I didn't find out till I was an adult that when I asked him, like, why, you know, what are you praying for with all those rosaries? And he said, well, you, and I burst into tears because I'm like, oh my God, I've had somebody praying for me my whole life. Like what a gift and how beautiful. So I don't know if that feels right to you in this moment, but I'd love to see if there's anything else that, you know, they had for me that I missed or, you know, that could work with going forward from them because I just have been feeling their presence so strongly. My Mima, who lived to be six weeks shy of a hundred, used to tell me every time I talked to her, she'd say, I say the rosary for you every night. And <sighs> same thing. You know, mm. it was just, oh, but that, but that was that generation. She was born mm. in 1902. When was your grandfather born? About that time, maybe. About that time, 1895. So, you know. Yeah, close, close. Your grandmother, Gertrude, is telling me that you are her great-grandmother reincarnated, really? which is why she's always felt a special bond with you. So while you were mm. talking, she's already talking to me. And our heads are big satellite dishes, Gertrude, and they receive mm. and they transmit frequencies. Every spirit has a frequency they keep throughout all of their lifetimes. And in order to get in touch with a spirit, whether you knew them or not is irrelevant. All mm. you have to do is think of them. Mm. And then that tunes your satellite dish head to their frequency. It's like you're tuning your head to their radio station that they keep throughout all the, their lifetimes. She was also talking about someone named Martha. I don't know if that's her great grandmother's name. Oh. I don't know if you have if you go back that far in the genealogy, but I'm she's talking ask. about My mom might Martha. Know, but I, okay. Your mom might know. Yeah. Or I don't know if you've done any genealogy work, but you may you might be able to find that in census data. And that's a rabbit hole you can yeah. go down. My but sister-in-law loves do that. that. Yeah, yeah. She loves that stuff and she's very good at it. But oh my gosh, it's just really fascinating. And it and it can be a just a time suck, a colossal mm. time suck. So mm. you may want to hire somebody to do that yeah, for exactly, you. Exactly. But they can check old census records and things like that. I think of Gertrude as a German name. Is mm. your family German? Was your grandmother yeah. German? German French was her ancestry. Yeah. So yep. there's a Martha in there that's very significant to you. Okay. She's talking about Martha. She's there and Martha's with you. So there's mm. a Martha. I don't I don't even know that she's necessarily a relative. She's saying, "Oh yes, she was." <laughs> she's talking to me in my head. "Oh yes, she was." <laughs> All right. Who's it might Martha may have been her sister. She may have been a sister. She may have had a sister named Martha. I don't you know. know. This is this is your grandmother's great grandmother. Okay. Oh, my grandma. Oh my gosh. So my grandma. So you're what quadruple, quadruple great grandmother. I don't yeah. know how many generations that is. Did your, did your grandmother, did Gertrude have a sister named Martha? Not, no. The only sister I know of is Anne. 
but I also don't know if she had a middle name, you know, and I, that's something I can ask my mom. Or maybe Anne's only her sister. Name. Yeah. 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 All right. So there's somebody named Martha sure. that's around you. The other thing about your granddad saying the rosary for you, how perfect is that? You're all about mother. You're all about mm. the divine feminine. You know, the goddess, the Virgin Mary, as we Catholics, we little Catholic girls that were raised yes. Catholic. And I know you were like I was, mm. we were taught it really began with the Virgin Mary. No, it began way before the Virgin Mary with the, you know, the divine goddess and the divine feminine yeah. with Isis and, oh my gosh, all those goddesses before. And I know the Hawaiians have a name for that too. I don't know what it is, but I know that they do. Do you remember? I'm sure you guys were you know, discussing the, that over the weekend. We didn't get heavy into the the ancient gods and goddesses. And really the only one we looked at somewhat is Pele. Pele, I don't know if I'm saying it right now. I'm trying to get my Hawaiian pronunciations, but you know, that fire goddess, but all of them were seen as like creator destroyer, you know, aspect. Yeah. So I've definitely been working on getting attuned to that aspect of myself. On. It, it It is fascinating. I love to hear the old pagan and other cultures and their gods and goddesses and what their rituals were and how those have been amalgamated into Christianity throughout the years, because December 25th, well, that was a pagan holiday. And mm -hmm. so the early Catholic church figured out that it was easier to integrate the pagan holidays and then over time change them to have a Christian meaning. And I find that fascinating, the the whole ceremony with May crowning yeah. that Catholics have done since the beginning of time of putting a wreath of flowers on the Virgin Mary statue. And my husband, okay. the first time he saw that, our son was in Catholic school and they, we were at May crowning and he wasn't raised Catholic. And he looked at me and he goes, if you wonder why people think you guys are nuts, you're, you're, you know, putting flowers in front of a statue and singing to this statue. And I said, well, that's an ancient ceremony that goes yeah. way back to the beginning back. of time with yep. the pagans and the pagan goddesses. I said, it's yep. just come down through the millennia in different forms, but it's all the same ritual. And he, but it was interesting for me to look at it from a different perspective, from his viewpoint, because I've just been doing it my whole life. I never I thought know. about it. Right. And yeah. some of those rituals that actually have so much significance and meaning that, yeah, as a Catholic raised, you just do them. And it really wasn't until I was an adult and, you know, started really exploring and digging in and going on these pilgrimages and finding out more. It's like, oh, like what a rich culture and history. And, and even if in the Catholic church explicitly, we're not, you know, saying like, well, you know, Mary is our version of all these other divine feminine archetypes that have come before her. You kind of feel it right. When you, when you really dig in and, um, discovering, I didn't even know. I mean, I maybe heard of the story of Lords, but I had no idea how many Mary apparition sites there are in particularly in Europe. Right. And, uh, these holy, holy sites that now millions of people come and visit from all faiths, all, you know, recognize, but she got those started as, you know, I, as I think as a, a remembrance, but usually they're also on often on sacred places that in our, well, particularly 
Our Lady of Guadalupe, you know, that happened on a mound in Mexico that had been a sacred special mound for the divine feminine, you know, for as long as that culture had been using it. And oh, isn't that interesting? Just like you said, right? Like that happens to be, you know, where this man saw this vision of Mary. Hmm. What a coincidence. <laughs> and smelled the roses. They yes. they say that when Mary's around, that there's a, a heavy scent of roses that is also in the air. Interesting, quick story. Friends of mine, Perdita Finn and Clark Strand wrote a book called oh, The Way of the Rose. Not a coincidence. Do you, that I was, do you know them? That I was going to say that when you said that about the rosary and my grandfather, like that book is, I didn't know they were your friends. I love that book. A friend gave it to me and yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, what a gift. What a gift that book well, they is. Have, a- they have a uh, worldwide group that says the rosary several times a week and a huge percentage of them come from all walks of life, all religious do- denominations, yep. Christian, Hindu, Buddhist, Jewish, whatever. And at their book signing, they had probably a hundred people at their launch of their book. And Clark told me recently that he asked the audience members, he said, have any of you had an apparition or seen the Virgin Mary? And he said, just about every hand in the room went up. And I said, okay. He said, the church only recognizes the church, that Catholic church Mm -hmm. recognizes very few of them as being legit, but there are thousands and thousands of them every year. And I don't think we need a church to recognize them as being legit. I think there's, I always say, you can't make this stuff up. It's just, (laughs) there's, it's, it's evidence-based information coming from spirit that can be corroborated in a number of ways. So I think it's really interesting. One other quick point, most people aren't aware of this, but in 2016, Pope Francis came out with a papal bull, which is kind of like a newsletter. Mm. And he said that he was asking his pastors throughout the world to acknowledge and welcome healers and psychics and mediums because they were doing the work of the Holy Spirit. And when we have that from the Vatican, that carries some weight for people who are saying, okay, this is all the devil stuff. And, and it's interesting because I've got all of this and the canon law people, right? The canon lawyers, canon is Mm -hmm. church law. They write all this stuff and you can read about the first two or three paragraphs and then you're in a coma. (laughs) I have a friend who's (laughs) a lawyer who's involved with the Vatican it is kind of just as a hobby. And I said, oh my gosh, who do they get to write this stuff? It is so boring. I said, I can read about two or three paragraphs and then I'm in a coma. And he laughed. He said, you're right. It is pretty bad. But anyways, it's just lawyers sometimes. And I was teasing him the the most words I ever saw in a contract in one sentence was 62 in one sentence. And I thought, now that's really a talent to be able to put wow. that many words in one sentence. And really so canon laws like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, there we go back to, right? Like what's the point? Like why why are we, you know, having to put that structure on something and and again, now we need to make it law. It has its place, and you know, don't get me wrong, I think we need that structure and order at times. We just get a little carried away, I would say. Well, and who decides what's law and what isn't? It's somebody's yeah. idea that they exactly. get everybody to buy into. And then you're like, okay, well, that's law. Okay, well, who says? Right. 
I went for a walk yesterday. There's a, a neighborhood that's being developed near our house. And of course, there was a sign that said, you know, no trespassing, only, you know, people that need to be back here. I forget what the wording is. So of mm-hmm. course, I needed to go see what was back there. And I couldn't even <laughs> I need park to my back. car there. Well, yeah, I felt led. I felt led. I live in the deep yeah. south. I felt led. <laughs> so oh, I parked my car across this highway and walked across the highway. And I thought, well, this is the only sketchy part of this is that I have to walk across this four lane highway, you know, with cars going 50 miles an hour. But I manifested that no cars would come when I was walking across and then walking back and it worked. Mm-hmm. So I called my husband and I said, honey, I'm, I'm over here just, just so you know where I am. And he's saying, please don't get arrested. I said, honey, nobody's back here. Who's going to arrest me? And who says, it doesn't say we'll be arrested. And it didn't say no trespassing. It just said only authorized vehicles or whatever. It was a Sunday morning. Nobody yeah. was back there. I needed to go see what it was. So I was thinking about that on my walk of just because a sign says, no, you can't come in here. Well, who says? Exactly. This is this is someone decided the world. Or... Somebody decided and people honor it. And I'm thinking, okay, not me. <laughs> I'm gonna go check it out. And it was beautiful. I'm glad I did it. A hundred percent. Well, I love this. And I think that's what you know, our theme of this talk is, right? Is is going inside, listening, you know, whatever we want to call it, you know, continuing to develop, honor our intuitive, our our reality that we're all actually connected either in our present, you know, physical forms and beyond, and that that matters, you know, and it, it it matters to us. I think it matters to the world to honor and, and presence that in the way that we are. And I love, it was, you know, I'm just going to name, cause I said it, I think several of the times, but I was thinking, oh, I see, I see Julie's, you know, I see a Santa Claus behind you and you have your little reindeer pin on. I'm like, you know, I want to talk about Christmas because that's, you know, such a, wonderful woo time of year, you know, and one that we celebrate. And then you brought it up, right? And then we brought up rosaries and I'm like, oh God, I love that book, Way of the Rose. And oh, my friends, you know, who wrote that book. So, you know, we're having conversations. What I'm getting is we're having our verbal conversation with language, but we're having multiple layer conversations in this audible conversation. And uh, I'm really enjoying the heck out of that. (laughs) I think it's so fun because you're someone I can have that with. Well, absolutely. And and say right back at you, babe. The interesting thing about the Christmas stuff is it is a magical time of year, whether you put the religion in it or not, mm-hmm. just the whole concept of Santa. And I have lots of children's books and I love the mm-hmm. magic of the children's books. I have many Christmas children's books and I I have been known to read a whole bunch of them in one sitting and I get weepy almost. Mm -hmm. It brings up this feeling of innocence and magic and belief and all of that. And and it really adds a wonderful element to the holidays, which in our day and age can be very stressful for a lot of us, myself included. You got to get it all decorated and then you got to get it all shopped and go to the grocery store and fix all the stuff. And yeah, my husband says, well, Christmas is his favorite time of year. I go, yeah, you don't do anything. You just, <laughs> you just enjoy receive. it. <laughs> you just receive. I'm working my tail off, putting all of this together. And but I'm glad to do with, it. Exactly. With what you said at the beginning, right? Like I, I believe, and I've experienced over time, like that effort, you know, what I get back from that is connection to the magic of it. 
right? Like there is work involved, but that work, if I just hold it as drudgery and like, oh, this thing I have to do and I'm like, you know, rotely going through it, that's what I'll get back, right? But if I, right. if I'm doing it from that space of being in the magic and touching these things that I bring out once a year, then it's meant, then it's magical, right? And I have that choice. It is. And we're creating memories. We're making memories, not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones as well. So crank up the Christmas tunes and do here, what here. you need to do. And I'm, I'm underlining it because this will come out in December. So for those who celebrate, you know, whether you celebrate Christmas or not, I, so many cultures, and I, I, I don't think any culture hasn't acknowledged this time of year with the light and, you know, the darkest and bringing light to the dark and seeing those, the, you know, the symbiotic nature of light and dark at this time is powerful and beautiful as well. Right. So however you practice it, I think it's a time to immerse ourselves in this magical, mystical space. And the, the invitation's there. There's the opportunity, right? So I want people to know again, how they can connect with you and, and find out about you, your book, your show, and, you know, ways that I can have, and then we'll, we'll end with one, one more little discussion topic. Everything is at askjulieryan.com askjulieryan.com. And anybody that's listening that would like a copy of my books, I have visual aids here. Yes. <laughs> Angelic intent <laughs> is what really happens as we transition from this life to the next, or any one of my children's books, angel messages for kids, for dogs, for cats, they're darling, they're picture books that talk about spirituality stuff interspersed with the illustrations, you know, kind of like the dog mm -hmm. book. Dogs will do tricks for treats and dogs can meet other dogs. Doesn't matter, you know, if they're big or large. And oh, by the way, if your dog dies, you may be able to see its spirit. So we've interspersed the spiritual stuff in there with all the other dog things and cat things and people things. And actually, by the time this comes out, my latest children's book, Angel Messages for Truth, the Ooh. two minute rule will be out. It'll be out a couple of weeks before Christmas. Oh, so that's the fourth that. in the Angel Messages series. And I'm going to add that because so, I love all of your books and oh, they're, they're had... really, they're really fun. Yeah, And I think the adults get as much from the children's books as the kids do when the kids are are looking at the pictures 100%. and they get it. And, and the adults are, I think there's maybe 15 short sentences in the yeah. children's books. So it's short and sweet and to the point and you get it. So there's yeah. that. Anybody that wants a copy of the books, just go to askjulieryan.com, click on the Ask Julie button, and then just say, hey, I heard you on Gertrude's show. I heard you on the Mother podcast, and I'd love a copy of your book. And we'll send you a digital and an audio book download as a gift for free. So just askjulieryan.com, click on the Ask Julie button and just say, I heard you on the show and I'd love a copy of your book and we'll be happy to, we'll be delighted to send it to you as an early Christmas gift. That's what I was going to say. I love it. Or it's holiday a gift if you don't celebrate gift. Christmas. Exactly. Um, but I don't think I've, I don't, I'm trying to remember if, I, I don't think I have your audio version. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen again because I love, you know, re-listening re and being inspired, inspired again. Um, can't remember if I asked you this on the last one, but it's always a different answer because uh, I love to close my show with having somebody, you know, just say something about what rewriting the mother code means to you. So if you could just 
speak a few words of what comes immediately comes to mind for you when you hear rewriting the mother code? Great. I love that question because it you're right, it does change. And rewriting the mother code, I think, is developing being a mother in any way that works for you, number one. And I had a situation this morning where my son, who's 30, I was talking to him and we were talking about something and I had an opinion and he had a different opinion and he presented it in a way that I changed my opinion. He enlightened me. Mm. So I think in that instance, being his mother was not only my advising him, it was him advising me and my being able to accept and implement his suggestion. And I I thought that was really profound this morning. No, that's huge. And so important just in general, right? But uh, particularly in the mother-child paradigm where, you know, this has shifted and this is a continued example of like, how we're, you know, what's possible with our adult children, right? Our, well, and when we remember children. that they choose us yeah, and we all choose our mothers, we choose where we're born, when we're born, to whom we're born. So our lives can have a basic trajectory mm-hmm. that will allow us to explore and experience whatever it is we want to. And in this instance, this morning, I thought after I had hung up with him, I thought, boy, that was really a profound conversation because not not only did he choose me for what I could facilitate for him, but what is he facilitating for me Mm -hmm. now that he's an adult and he has a different perspective that's really helping me see a bigger picture. That's beautiful. Julie, thanks so much. And I'm looking forward to connecting with Martha um, and finding out about her. And I'm going to meditate on her and, you know, whether I find out literally um, now I know she's there and I get to add her, you know, to the special people in my life and uh, find that connection. So thank you for you, the gift that you are. And uh, I can't wait to hear how the the new show goes and all of that good stuff. So Blessings, blessings. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays. Sending you lots of love from sweet home, Alabama. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no. Subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.